In the beginning, there was darkness. Then, there was Paul Brown. Paul Brown transformed the game. Hello, Paul Brown here. Welcome to the first ever International Browns Podcast. Good morning, Cleveland. I'm here with Jack, not Jack Duffin. I'm here with Jack McCurry, co-host of the 1085 Gridiron. How are you, sir? Doing well, Paul. Uh, always a pleasure to sit down and talk to you, my man. Yeah, well, we've had a bit of beef this week, but we've worked it out and we're both <laughs> friends again now. So uh, that's all that matters. Absolutely, man. Uh, can't let Twitter beefs uh, ruin good friendships. No, only joking, guys. Uh, I, th- I thought the um, Browns came over on a Friday. I think Jack fought earlier in the week and we did some research. And for the first ever time in Twitter history, I was correct. So, uh, um, yeah. I don't normally challenge people because I'm not normally correct. So uh, there we go. But anyway, mate, it's great to um, have you on the show, mate. And uh, mate, just looking at your pinned tweet, mate, you've lost a lot of weight, mate. Yeah, uh, it'll be about two years in January. I started on my uh, journey. You know, I was a I was a heavy heavy man, uh, young man. It's weighing almost three hundred and forty pounds. I'm now at around the two ten mark. Uh, it was a lot of hard work. Uh, got a lot of support from people on Twitter and you know in my personal life, my work, everything. And uh, just take this time to thank everybody. Everybody's been so nice and encouraging. Uh, you know, there there was a couple people that made some smart remarks uh, about me before, but uh, can't let the haters uh, bring you down when you're uh, trying to reach your goals. Mate, you look absolutely awesome now, mate. And uh, mate, the one thing I was going to say is, mate, don't take this as personal, but whenever people put pictures up of them being big and then lost weight or more muscularly, they never look happy when they've lost the weight. Yeah, I mean, that was the one thing I always get and they were like, People tell me your attitude, my personality's never changed. I've always been a positive person. I've always been a happy person. Um, you know, at times when I was big, I wasn't happy with myself, but I always knew that like, I wasn't going to change who I was no matter what. And that's like the one thing everybody says, you're still that happy person you were before. And I, I've always been that. I'm always going to be that. I mean, the only time I'm not happy is if someone, you know, steps over their boundaries or makes me mad. So I'm always a happy person. Mate, are you even happy at the moment with the Brown situation? That part I'm not happy about. Um, no? You know, we had such high expectations this year, and it's not working out, and it's becoming one of those seasons where it's the same old Browns, and it's unfortunate, but, you know, hopefully they can shock the world this weekend, turn things around, beat Buffalo, and we'll go from there. So I tailgate a lot with Larry this season. He's going to all the games home and away, and he says – zero expectations you know like just be a Browns fan enjoy the ride and have zero expectations and I think we're all to blame really because I was struggling saying nine and six I had to be positive and say ten and six and yeah look at us now two and six with okay ten and six is still on the cards but let's be honest I I think we'd be very lucky if we finish with a better record than last year yeah, the way things are going right now, it's like, are they going to win 
are they even going to get to 500? I mean, that is a fair question to say because while everybody says that this schedule is starting to get easier, you have a tough Buffalo team. Pittsburgh's going to be tough no matter who their quarterback is, and they're showing it right now. Uh, obviously, we get Baltimore again. You do have Miami. You do have uh, Cincinnati twice. So I think those are definitely winnable games. Arizona's not looking winnable at this point because they're making strides, and Kyler Murray is looking really good so far. So, you know, I'm at the point now where I just kind of want to take things one game at a time. Uh, I would be shocked if they pulled off like three or four wins in a row. Uh, they get to six wins, I think that would probably be the peak at this point uh, for the remainder of the season. And Jack, let me ask you the million dollar question. What do you think is going wrong at the moment? I think it's a combination of things. I think it's Freddie. I think Freddie's a big issue. I think the play calling. Um, I think Baker has struggled. Um, I don't know exactly what the issue is with Baker. Um, it seems like he doesn't feel confident. And I think that is a big thing. Last year, we knew how confident Baker was, and he showed it every time he stepped out on the field. Um, but I think the biggest thing is, is the culture in that organization. And, you know, for the people that have been fans since they came back in 99, it's just been a losing culture, a loser's mentality. And um, unfortunately, they can't seem to shake it off. And then you have all these distractions on the field, whether it's the cleats, whether it's Baker's hairstyle or what he's doing with his facial hair or Beckham, you know, with the visors, with the uniform issues. It's just the, the little things. And then on top of that, that the team's not performing well. If the team was winning, all the subsidi all the secondary issues, it wouldn't be an issue. But since that we're losing, all these other things become distractions, then they have to talk about in the media. And I'm not blaming the media for it. It's just it's what happens. But it's that culture. And the Browns can't seem to shake off the losing culture and the losing mentality. Uh, we thought we were getting past that with the run that they made last year. But un unfortunately, it just seems something that we can't shake. And I don't know what the solution is. I've been out with a Icelandic – the president, actually, Icelandic uh, Browns backer, a guy from uh, Akram, uh, Ryan Urban, and – there's one thing that I've talked about tonight was it seems that Freddie Kitchen is very stressed, potentially stressed, very, I want to say negative body language at the moment. The one thing that I compare it to is maybe soccer and maybe someone like Mourinho, for example. And at the time when he was at Man United, and we've seen it before, when he, he wins that game he doesn't expect to win and he runs down the pitch or maybe Klopp and they just go absolutely crazy and mental like in excitement and joy. I'm not seeing any joy and excitement from Freddie Kitchen at the moment. Win and he's doing everything he can and he's probably trying too hard at this point and unfortunately it's just not working out. But I also think it's, you know, the Browns can win a game and it seems like they don't know how to build off of that win. And I think that's another result of the culture. You know, they win one game and people go crazy in this town and they might go crazy in the organization as well, but they can't seem to build on that. And I think that's the biggest issue, along with the fact that I think the pressure is mounting on Kitchens to win because, and the rumors are already out there that he's going to be shown the door after the season's over. And do you think that's, 
accurate that he's got this season? Yeah, unfortunately, I think that's the case because, you know, based with the Haslam's history, um, you know, the talent that's on this team, regardless if, you know, Dorsey hasn't built the best team, he's just collected a array of talent, you know, expectations were high. Everybody was thinking playoffs. Some people thought Super Bowl. And the fact that we might not even get to 500, it, it's a disastrous season. It's another disastrous season in the history of the Browns. But with expectations so high and such low results, uh, you're going to have to make a change if things don't seem to be improving. And as we stand now in week 10, those things aren't improving. So, you know, I don't think any changes are going to come during the season. But I think at the end of the season, as things go now, Freddie Kitchens will not be the head coach of the Browns. Eight and eight, Jack. Does Freddie keep his job? Uh, so they would go what six and six and two down the stretch. Yeah, because I would that things are getting better. Um, it it also would depend on how these games are being won. So, uh, I would say right now, if we go six and two down the stretch and it looks good, Kitchens will be back. If we somehow go six and two, but they are just lucky wins. I still think the discussion would be there to make a coaching change because you got to think about the long-term success of the organization, not just short-term. I think back to, I think it was 2009 when Mangini was here, he won the last four games of the season and Mike Holmgren had come in as team president. They should have made a coaching change, but Holmgren gave Mangini another year and it was a wasted year. So if they think Kitchens isn't the long-term answer at head coach, regardless of how the season plays out, I think they should make a change. And uh, how we're looking going forward this week? How's the injury list looking? Well, Beckham and Landry are on the injury report, but they were full participants. Uh, the surprise was Joel Batonio. He's on. He was on the report today with a back injury, and he was limited. Um, I haven't heard anything about that, so I would imagine it. They maybe they just gave him a limited workload today, gave him like a Veterans Day off to, uh, to say. Um, Olivier Vernon didn't practice. He wasn't even on the field. Uh, we know he had the knee injury, so that's something to watch, definitely. And then Ricky Seals-Jones, who got hurt during the game as well, he uh, didn't practice, but he was on the bike. So I think that's probably like a day-to-day -day situation just to see how his knee's going to uh, react. Who do you think is going to step up as a defensive end opposite to Miles Garrett? Uh, it looks like it would have to be Chad Thomas and probably Chris Smith would probably rotate at that spot. Um, you know, this would be a perfect time for us to have Jannard Avery, but obviously uh, Steve Wilkes didn't think that Avery was a fit on the defense and Avery asked out of Cleveland and Dorsey granted him that uh, request. So, um, you know, Chad Thomas and Chris Smith haven't, uh, really shined a whole lot this year but you know it's a next man up mentality if Vernon can't go those guys are going to have to step up and play uh, fortunately you know they might get some open looks because we know teams focus in on Miles Garrett so uh, if Chad Thomas and Chris Smith get that opportunity they need to make the most of it if Vernon has to sit this one out. It's absolutely amazing every season we start the start of the season going we've got too many defensive ends how are we going to make room for them all they're all great people, all great players. And then we've got three. Yeah, and it's unfortunate. I say on the podcast all the time, you can never have enough pass rushers. And then they don't utilize their third best pass rusher in Jannard Avery because 
it, what it sounded like from people that I've listened to and talked to is that they didn't like that um, Avery was undersized. And that just baffles me watching James Harrison when he was in Pittsburgh um, over the years, he was undersized at his position, but he was one of the most dominant linebackers in the game. Like you don't care about the size. If the guy can play football, you utilize that talent no matter what. Yeah. My understanding, and this comes from uh, Avery's family member was basically Wilkes and Avery just didn't get on. So um, they, um, Avery went to was it Arizona before where Wilkes was. No, uh, Avery came. Avery came out of Memphis. No, sorry. Um, where was Wilkes before Tampa? Wasn't it? Uh, Arizona. Arizona. It was Arizona. Yeah. So um, he went to Arizona for a day's. Um, oh, a draft visit. A draft visit. Wilkes okay. him didn't get on, and then obviously Wilkes comes to the Browns. We've already got Avery. And it's just been bad blood ever since. That's unfortunate that people hold grudges like that and, but, and those but, kind of situations. That's from that's from one of his family members. If it's true, we'll never know. But that's what I got told. Right. That's kind of unfortunate though, because Avery is a talented player. As you've seen, Philly, his first snap, he sacks Mitchell Trubisky uh, for the Bears. So, um, you know, I wish Avery nothing but the best. I hope he balls out for Philly because he is a very talented player. It's just unfortunate he can't do it in Cleveland. It is against that. Bears O-line, though, it's not very good, though. That is true. That is true. But Avery is still a very talented uh, pass rusher. I totally agree. And I, I was always a big fan of Avery. Um, last year, you know, I think I even put him down as potential Pro Bowl, you know, like, because I thought, great rookie year. Build on this from last year. And then they come through. One thing that our friend Jack Duffin said was, can we see Higgins go into the Eagles? Yeah, I seen Jack um, tweet that out. Uh, it wouldn't shag me. Uh, they're looking for receiver help. And, you know, Higgins, I think he's not long-term for Cleveland, unfortunately, unless, you know, the new coaches come in and beg him to stay. Um, I think Higgins is probably upset with how they're utilizing him and can't fault him. He was, you know, Baker Mayfield's go-to target uh, last year, and they just have great chemistry. And now you, he doesn't even get to see the field. Um, Sunday, you know, Kadero Hodge, one of our special teams guys, got uh, a catch before Richard Higgins even seen the field. So I don't know what's going on there. Um, it's unfortunate, but uh, I can see Higgins moving on. And, you know, I liked him when we drafted him back in 2016. It was one of Sashi Brown's good picks. Um, so hopefully wherever he ends up, he uh, shows his worth as a wide receiver. Talking about contracts up, we've still got Schobert, Tretter, Randall. Do you think any of them are going to get signed up soon? I would have to think that Tretter is going to be the main focus out of those guys. Um, Demarius Randall really hasn't um, shown that he's worth a long-term contract just because he can't get on the field right now. Uh, and when he's been on the field, he really hasn't had any production. Uh, as it stands for Schobert, you know, I would like for them to keep him just because we really don't have any options at linebacker right now. I know Mac Wilson had a good game against Denver. Taki Taki's not even seeing the field, but I just think that Schobert is going to uh, be too much for the Browns' taste uh, when they have other positions that they need to fill out on the roster. Um, so I would think Treader's the main focus. Hopefully they can get him done just to have some continuity on the offensive line besides Batonio because uh, 
as it stands now, I think they need a left tackle, a right guard, unless Wyatt Teller picks up um, and shows what he's worth. And then obviously they need a right tackle because Chris Hubbard's not uh, performing very well this season. Yeah, speaking with the Tret family, they're super keen to get uh, JT all signed up. So um, they're absolutely 100% behind uh, the Browns signing up uh, Tretta. Tretta's getting married in February as well. Uh, yeah, and wants to finish his career in Cleveland. Yeah, and he's been a great signing. You know, that was another thing. Saji Brown, you know, that year he brought him in, he brought Zeitler in. And those guys were very crucial to the offensive line success that they've had over the last couple of years. Obviously, zeitler has gone, but Treader has established himself as one of the underrated centers in the league. Um, he's definitely going to be worth the money, I think. I know, I think it's like around eight or nine million a year. I think that's what the top centers make. I would argue that Treader is definitely worth that. You look at like at last year, he played through that high ankle sprain and still graded out as one of the top centers in football. So um, definitely keep him just because, you know, for the continuity sake um, and because you don't want to go into a situation where you just have Batonio and then you have to potentially draft a couple of rookies and then try to fill it out with some guys that are free agent pickups that are free agents for a reason because they, they just aren't that good. Jack, we're coming up to the uh, Bills game. What's your prediction on the score? Uh, I'll go Buffalo 24, Cleveland 13. I just think that, you know, until Cleveland proves that they are fixing their mistakes and that Baker is, you know, making strides, I'm going to go with Buffalo. They've looked really good this season. They haven't played too many tough opponents outside of New England, but I just think that, you know, they are playing complimentary football. They're playing great defense. They're running the football, and they're, they're, for, they're not forcing Josh Allen to do things he can't do. They're making it simple for him. They're making it easy, um, and they're building a good culture there. And Sean McDermott's a big reason why uh, they're doing that. He's done a great job. You know, too bad that the Haslam's didn't listen to Sashi when he wanted to hire McDermott instead of Hugh. But, you know, can't change the pass at this point. But, yeah, I'll go Buffalo 24, Cleveland 13. I'm going to go with Browns 21, Bills 20. A real tight, classic game where the Browns win. I like your optimism, Paul. Um, it's supposed to snow this weekend in Cleveland. So, hopefully, you're not wearing the kilt. Hopefully, you dress a little warmer for the uh, weather, bud. Mate, I am definitely going with the kilt. <laughs> And if I think if we lose this game, the kilt has to go, mate, because it'd be three and out, mate, basically. Yeah. It's like Baker's Fu Manchu. It, it, once you lose, you got to get rid of it, man. Yeah. Well, Jack, tell us a little bit about where people can find your details. Yeah. Uh, follow me on Twitter at jmccurrycle. Uh, check out the 1085. I'm going to drop an episode on Thursday where we have a Buffalo guy coming on to preview the game. And then check out um, – the dogland.com or dog.land it's where i'm doing some sports uh writing about the browns with uh my co-host the 1085 anthony jokey so definitely check out all my work on all those different platforms excellent mate and uh last time you were on the show you were so positive i'm like so disappointed that you're so doom and gloom at the moment mate. it's like where's jack gone you know like how'd you on the show after we won and it was so energy was unbelievable 
it's just the losing brings you down, Paul. I mean, it, it's just, you know, I try to stay as positive as possible, but you know, after Sunday when I, I guaranteed Brown's victory last week Ooh. and they, and they let me down, but you won't hear me going on a rant like Ken Carmen though. I, I, I don't have that in me, unfortunately. Well, I've done a YouTube video from the game and my experiences. And as I'm walking out the stadium, the last scene of my YouTube, I've got a Broncos guy just shouting abuse at me and, uh, quite a nice scene so uh, that'll be up and live tomorrow but um, yeah Jack um, hopefully we finally get to meet in Cleveland and uh, yeah mate just keep doing the great work mate and uh, I love all your stuff mate thank you Paul you keep up the good work as well man alright buddy go Browns go Browns